So welcome again, everyone, to this great celebration of the um, second apparition of Our Lady, the 103rd anniversary of that second apparition of Our Lady at Fatima. Um, again, I want to welcome all of those who are viewing us on our social media, on the webcam, on Facebook, and all of our platforms. Uh, we appreciate your involvement, as well as all of you who have come here on this beautiful day today. It's good to be back to normal, at least to some, something close to normal. And we are, um, uh, we just think this is the first of a number of wonderful events we're going to have here at the Blue Army Shrine here in the year 2020. I do have some more intentions that have been coming in on Facebook and on, on our social media. So let me read a couple more of these that have come in. Pray for this country and our president. Guide, protect, and keep him safe, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, for our sins. I ask our Blessed Mother to intercede for me and bring my petitions to the Lord. And another one. Please give praise and thanks to God Almighty for giving me my husband of 50 years of marriage on this 13th day of June from Zeneda and Francis. This afternoon, the, um, our gift shop will be opened uh, downstairs, is right below us, of course, those who are visiting here for the first time. The grounds are open until dusk, okay? So please, once the Mass is over, please enjoy your, your time here at the Blue Army Shrine on this beautiful day. We do have a protocol for Holy Communion after Mass. We will be lining up, as I mentioned earlier, for those who may not have heard this, we will have two communion stations up here. Father and the deacon will be distributing Holy Communion. They will have with them sanitizers, a person on each side holding a sanitizer in case they feel compromised. And so we're following all of the protocols required. Um, again, there will be two kneelers for those who want to kneel, or if you want to stand, you can stand right in front of it. There is a lost and found that is downstairs if you've lost any items. There is a lost and found in the gift shop downstairs, as well as at the tables back here. So if you have any lost items, please check with the, the, uh, the people at either place to help you out. And after I'm done speaking here, I'm going to want to introduce Mr. Larry Maginot. Larry is a, one of our custodians. He was here carrying the statue today. Larry is also the author of this book, The Marian Manifesto. And Larry will speak a little bit on his book. The book will be for sale back here, and he will be there to sign them for you, too. It's really a beautiful book that addresses the third part of the secret of Fatima, something that always seems to be controversial. So we'd like, uh, like for Larry to do a little explanation. I want one in to his <clears throat> writing of this, this book and a little bit about um, his, maybe his time as a custodian for the World Apostle of Fatima for Our Lady's Blue Army. So anyway, as I said this morning, welcome. It's so good to have people here in, a, in an event. As I said last month, we were a little bit limited, uh, but the times are different, and we know that. We are in times which many never thought we would find ourselves in in the United States. Often, the consequences of a crisis reach well beyond the issue which brought about the difficulties. Four months after all public masses were suspended by government edict, to control a health crisis, our country has descended into chaos and violence. Any belief that these things are unrelated is naive. Yes, we've had the ability to see Mass online, and we're grateful for that. But this is not full particip participation, excuse me, in a holy sacrifice. 
Being deprived of the blessed sacrament and of the other sacraments is spiritual starvation. If you did not have a burning hunger, if you do not now have a burning hunger for the essence of our faith at this time, after this deprivation, you really need to reevaluate your priorities. Sadly, 70% of nominal Catholics do not believe in the real presence. Perhaps this explains the lack of indignation and the silence is deafening. Our Lady spoke of indifference at Fatima and we're seeing that very strongly. St. Padre Pio once said, it would be easier for the world to survive without the sun than to do so without Holy Mass. Cardinal Seurat, the prefect of the Congregation for Divine Worship and the Discipline of the Sacrament states that a priest needs to look at God, not into a camera. Regarding the suggestions and directives about new ways of receiving Holy Communion, he states, many pandemic communion proposals are absolute madness. Jesus cannot be treated like this. Only a reverent belief in the real presence and the courage to demand reverence on the part of the faithful will restore things. We are grateful to be able to return to offering public mass now. Nothing is more essential in these times. Here at the Blue Army Shrine and throughout the world, the world apostate of Fatima, Our Lady's Blue Army is dedicated to bringing the belief in the real presence back into the consciences of people. The apparitions of Our Lady were preceded by three apparitions of the Angel of Peace. He taught them the prayers of adoration at the third apparition, and then he gave them Holy Communion. We have been given the beautiful display of the Eucharistic miracles of the world, which was promoted and prepared by the Real Presence Association and the John Paul II Eucharistic Adoration Association. This display will be shown here, hopefully by next month, and it will travel as part of our ongoing evangelization of the message of Fatima. Next month, here, we will hold our third annual weekend of Eucharistic reparation. Please sign up for some hours of adoration to make amends to Almighty God for the sins that have brought us to the brink of ruin. There are ladies at the table back there. We ask your participation for this time from July 9th to the 12th. On June 13, 1917, Our Lady first revealed herself as the Immaculate Heart and showed us this refuge from this world. The statue of our Immaculate Heart, this Pilgrim Virgin statue, which in normal times would be on the road, as would the National Pilgrim Virgin statue, which is now setting in the chapel downstairs, and our International Pilgrim Virgin statue, typically would be traveling. You see the beautiful motorhome, which is parked across the road over there, and our custodians typically travel around the country bringing the message of Fatima on these journeys of evangelization. During these times, our journeys, we have we tried to stay active in the World Apostate in the Blue Army, and we have traveled throughout with this motorhome and our other vehicle, traveling to Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and into New York, bringing these statues of Our Lady, our prayers, our blessings, and in many cases, and many of the times, Father has joined us with the Blessed Sacrament. We were on a journey two weeks ago in New York, and as we traveled on the Brooklyn Queens Expressway in, in Brooks, or I believe it was the Queens or Brooklyn, I'm not exactly sure where we were at the time, some gentleman saw us, and we received a call from our office. He called saying, 
that when he saw our, our, our vehicle there and he saw this picture of Our Lady in the city during this most difficult time, it brought him to tears. He said, we need our mother. Last May 1st, when the bishops consecrated this country, reconsecrated the United States, when I first heard that news sent to me by a bishop who's a good friend, I forwarded it to a priest friend of mine, and he came back and said, yes, in times of trouble, we run to our mother. But we're in times of trouble in this country and in this world, and it is time we embrace what we were asked to embrace by Our Lady 103 years ago today, and that is the devotion to her Immaculate Heart. You know, on that day, Our Lady kept her promise and appeared again to the three shepherd children at the Covadaria. During the second apparition, she began to lay out the broader mission that would become Lucia's for the next 87 years. She told Lucia that unlike Jacinta and Francisco, who would be taken to heaven soon, she would remain on earth for some time longer, a while longer, she said. That while turned out to be 88, 87 or 88 years. Makes you think of eternity. Think of that time. Jesus wishes to use you to establish in the world devotion to my immaculate heart, she told her. The Fatima apparitions are different from all Marian apparitions in that Our Lady presented a whole spirituality centered on the devotion to her immaculate heart. And she extended her dialogue with humanity for nearly nine decades through Sister Lucia. What is the meaning of devotion to her immaculate heart, we have to ask ourselves. Our Lady is inviting us into her own heart, where we will discover the treasure that is there, the life and presence of her beloved Son, Jesus. It is here that we are schooled in the deeper mysteries of the Gospel and the person and mission of Jesus. In the Gospel of Luke, the visit of the shepherds at the birth of Jesus, the Gospel writer states, and Mary kept all these things reflecting on them in her heart. And again, when Jesus was found in the temple, his mother kept all these things in her heart. Two times Luke informs us that Mary kept the treasures in her heart where she could reflect on them and come to understand more fully the mission of Jesus and her own role in that mission. She would not have known what the full plan of God's salvation was when the angel visited her. Therefore, her yes was particularly indicative of one who fully trusted in the will of the Father was abandoned to it and obedient, as was Jesus. Mary wants our abandonment and deep trust in Jesus. God wants our devotion to her immaculate heart so that we can learn from the best, so that his graces can flow freely to us through his immaculate vessel. Where does she lead us? Directly to her son, and she will never lead us anywhere else. This is why the Eucharist is always a part of anything Our Lady comes to. The actual apparitions of Fatima were preceded again by what? The angel bringing the Eucharist to the children. Her promise to 10-year-old Lucia on this day, 103 years ago, my immaculate heart will be your refuge and the way that will lead you to God. This was never broken. Lucia turned to that immaculate heart often for protection, solace, peace, and to seek God's will. She developed a deep and affectionate love for the Blessed Virgin trusting in her guiding hand and in Jesus' plan, even when that plan seemed totally unattainable. Abandoned to his will and obedient to his commandments, Lucia, like Mary, was able to carry out all that God wanted of her. 
later in Ponte Vedra, Spain in 1925, and in Tui in 1929, she fulfilled her promise and came to ask for the consecration of Russia. It took 55 years for this request to be honored. The errors of atheism are what we are living with today, those that germinated strongly during that time. Conversion from sin is the Fatima message. The fruit will be a world with harmony and serenity. This is a promise which we were given, a promise made by one who does not make these carelessly. In the end, my immaculate heart will triumph and there will be peace. We pray for that. We pray to bring that about and it will come about when we merit it, when we pray hard enough and we, we, God will grant that to us as a gift for our, 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 our prayers. The atheistic communism which he warned us of and a train wreck of secularism has led to an undermining of our very societal foundations. While 400,000 people died of the coronavirus this year, nearly 15 million died at the hands of abortionists. That's 20% of all pregnancies worldwide were aborted. Ponder this. If there are 1,500 people sitting here or here sometime today, and 300 were taken out and exterminated, would we not be appalled and alarmed? Yet we, we guess this sanitary extermination is easy to ignore. America, though, can no longer ignore this and the many attacks against God and civilization, which are under the guise of individual freedom. A great disaster had befallen Russia. Men have forgotten God. That's why all this has happened. In his 1962 book, One Day in the Life of Ivan Denisovich, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, the renowned Russian historian, author, and critic of the Soviet system, identified the root cause of what had happened in Russia in one sentence. Men had forgotten God. The book which uncovered the many abuses in the Soviet prison system was first hailed by the Soviet leaders under Nikita Khrushchev, who were trying to put a softer face on their regime by blaming the abuses of the first 40 years of communist rule on Joseph Stalin and his tenure. It did instead shed light on the despotic foundation of this state, which refused to acknowledge the God-given humanity and the dignity of all people. This government had been built on a weak foundation. Solzhenitsyn would later be deported from his native Russia for his work and found a home in the United States. In 1978, he gave the commencement address at Harvard University. Although grateful to the West, and for the US in particular, he took the opportunity to point out that we too were moving towards the same fate as Russia during the Soviet era, albeit by a different road. The landscape looked different, not as plain and drab, but it was also becoming devoid of the essence of existence, the preeminence of God. We are witnessing the epic fight between good and evil, the fight between the church and the anti-church, which St. Pope John Paul II spoke of. We must be warriors committed to winning the war between good and evil. Since last Saturday, the reading from St. Paul to Timothy has been ringing in my ears. It is timely today as we faith, face excuse me, a crisis of faith not seen for a very long time. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingly power, 
Proclaim the word. Be persistent, whether it is convenient or inconvenient. Convince, reprimand, encourage through all patience and teaching, for the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but following their own desires and insatiable curiosity will accumulate teachers and will stop listening to the truth and will be diverted to myths. But you be self-possessed in all circumstances. Put up with hardship, perform the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your mission. Profound. In 1980, in an interview with a German magazine, in light of the unfolding world events then, St. Pope John Paul II was asked explicitly to speak about the third part of the secret of Fatima and how it related to world events. He said, and this was before the, any of that had been revealed, because of the seriousness of its content, in order not to encourage the worldwide power of communism to carry out certain coups, my predecessors in the chair of Peter have diplomatically preferred to withhold this publication. He went on to say, on the other hand, it should be sufficient for all Christians to know this much. If there is a message which it is said that the oceans will flood entire sections of the earth, that from one moment to the other millions of people will perish, there is no longer any point in really wanting to publish this secret message. Many, he said, want to know merely out of curiosity or because of their taste for sensationalism. But they forget that to know implies for them a responsibility. We have responsibility to change things. He went on further. It is dangerous to want to satisfy one's curiosity only if one is convinced that we can do nothing against the catastrophe that has been predicted. He then held up his rosary and stated, here is the remedy against this evil. Pray and ask for nothing else. Put everything in the hands of the mother of God. The rosary throughout the ages has, has defeated armies, it has defeated heresies. St. Padre Pio called it the weapon. Bishop Fulton Sheen had many things to say about the rosary too. And he called it the, the um, excuse me here, he called it the, what people see as, as in life, it was, it is, this is what brings us to God. The praying of the rosary led us or leads us to a union with God unlike anything that we can imagine because we're praying that prayer through the intercession of our Blessed Mother. When that third part of the secret was revealed, finally in the year 2000, the children were shown, it was revealed that the children were shown a vision that has been interpret, interpreted as the devastation of the church, with the Holy Father being slain while ascending the hill towards the cross amid a pile of dead bodies strewn all about. They also saw an angel with a flaming sword in a position to thrust a conflagration upon the earth. As he was about to send down the wrath of God, the arm of Mary reached out and stopped this from happening. The intercessory power of Our Lady is unimaginable. He then stated strongly the words, penance, penance, penance. Penance and Eucharistic reparation are the essence of the Fatima message. We turn to Mary, we pray our rosary, and believe me, 
all of the issues that we deal with today will disappear. If we're faithful and enough people are faithful, this is the work of this apostolate. This is the work of being a Catholic. But in this apostolate particularly, bringing this message of Fatima, this message that, that was given to us 103 years ago, and as St. Pope John Paul said, is more relevant today than it was in 1917. Turn on the news if you don't believe me. It's here. The things, if my requests are not heeded, Russia will spread her errors, and those errors are all rooted in atheistic humanism. This is what we're dealing today. By, by ignoring what we were asked to do, or at least not living up to it in sufficient numbers, we're paying the price of what's going on today. But this can stop. As Pope John Paul II said, nothing is etched in stone. With God, anything is power, possible. But we are on the precipice of a disaster. You know, are we going to be a society committed to God with an eye on achieving heaven and working to bring as many souls as possible with us? Or are we going to acquiesce to a secular world which wishes to relegate our beliefs to the history books? Yes, a great tragedy has befallen America. We have forgotten God. This is why all these things are happening today. But we have a solution. And the solution is a devotion to the Immaculate Heart that devotion that Our Lady presented on, on, first presented to us on the 13th of June in 1917, and has asked us many times, reiterating it at Ponte Vedra, reiterating it in Tui in Spain, that is devotion to the Immaculate Heart, which will bring about that triumph, and that triumph of Immaculate Heart that we will see, or will be seen eventually, will be one where, where we live in the prism, we see people in the prism of God. That's what heaven must be like. Not something where, where we look at each other with maybe selfish motives or we're distrustful or whatever. We turn on the news, it's, a, it's very difficult not to be angry nowadays and perhaps hateful. This is the tool of the devil to turn us away too. Our Lady asked the children, are you willing to offer your lives in prayer and reparation for sinners? She showed them a vision of hell, and she showed them, she said, people are here because there's no one to pray and make reparation for them. This is our job as members of this apostolate. We are to pray and make reparation for sinners, and those sinners will convert, and they will, they will not be bringing this, this anxiety that we deal with today. This is a direct result of our failures. And if there's failures in the church that many people want to point to today, and they're real, there's no doubt about that. But again, are we praying enough? We are an apostolate of prayer. You know, the Curie of ours once said that there's no such thing as a bad priest, just one that hasn't been prayed for enough. Well, that's our job. We are, we are members of an apostolate of prayer. We are here to pray for the salvation of souls. We are, prayer, we are here for charity. You know, the theological virtues of faith, hope, and charity are often brought up. As we know, faith and hope will not exist in the next world. Faith, we will not need it because we'll see it all in front of us. Hope will not be there because we will have gained or lost everything we ever hoped for at that point. But charity will live on. And it's charity that we show towards other people, towards bringing people to salvation and living through this message of Fatima is really how we will be judged in that next life. <clears throat> Excuse me, and we will take that charity with us. The late Cardinal George of Chicago once said, you only take with you in death what you gave away in life. 
So be not afraid. It's always been the message given. The angel Gabriel to young Mary at the Annunciation. The angel of peace to the children of Fatima in 1916. Our Lady to the children in 1917. St. John Paul II to the workers of Donsk, Poland in 1979, which ignited the Solidarity Movement. Prayer and a commitment to living for God and actually becoming prayer. This is the only thing that separates us from ruin. Our mission is clear. We are, we are at this point where we are, we're, we're, going to, we're going to accept and we're going to work with all zeal to change this world and save it, and we can do that. We really can. But it's, our, it, it's how much our commitment is. We have to have, not have a selfish commitment, but have a, a selfless commitment to work for the salvation of souls and to work for the betterment of the society. By doing that, we will achieve it. St. Paul once said, we're going to win. We know that. Our Lady said, my Immaculate Heart will triumph. We don't know when. So the more we pray, the sooner it will happen. So thank you and God bless you.